This episode of Tales from Ostlantis is brought to you by Ostlantis Premium. Don't you just hate having your favorite podcast interrupted by ads like this? Well, dear listener, you're in luck. Because starting at just three bucks a month, you can support independent Chicano media and receive ad-free episodes, premium episodes, bonus content, and access to our Discord server. Just visit talesfromastlantis.com and click Go Premium, or follow the link in the show notes. And now, on with the show. You must excuse me. I've grown quite weary. This hasn't been easy, I know. But you've learned a lesson. A lesson in honesty. Honesty to yourself and honesty to others. That lesson will stand you in good stead all your life. I think we've all learned a good lesson. I've always heard that honesty is the best policy. Now I'm catching on to why that's so, and why that's so, and why that's so, and why that's so. Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of Tales from Astlantis. We are your hosts, Curly Tlapoyawa. And Tlacateca. How you doing, man? How are things? I'm doing in, great. In Tejaslan. Doing, doing pretty good. School started, brand new semester, fall. Um, the weather's now beginning to to get cooler. We're getting some rain, maybe saw, a little too much of it. Yeah, but, I saw that. <laughs> you know, that's that's the way we roll down here in Texas. We go from one extreme to the next. Well, you would even was that from your office that you posted a no? That's video? Uh, that's uh, that's a um, it's called the uh, the South uh, Gate, I believe it's called. And it's it's a, a walkway that connects uh, the west building where I am to the east building, and uh, so it goes over that that, that creek, and um, and that's where I was able to take that picture of the roaring rapids through yeah, Mountain man. View campus. <laughs> Should have grabbed uh, an inner tube and gone right. for a ride. That's what some kids were saying. Oh, I wish we had some rafts. We can go rafting. I'm like, damn. <laughs> okay. This is what it's come to. Now we have a rafting program. There you go. <laughs> so I thought today, since we are approaching, fast approaching the anniversary of the Chicano Moratorium, we could watch this uh, short film uh, that was produced in 1970. And this, this film was uploaded to YouTube on February 17th, 2010. And I'll, I'll read the little... Uh, blurb so so when they posted it it was the 40th anniversary of yeah the, the chicano Mor- moratorium right yes. now we're looking at what is it 52 52 yeah damn time flies i actually went and i don't remember which anniversary it was um this was in the 90s well this is a bundle in in mexica uh, time right 52 years what do you call yeah. that What's a bundle called? oh you are correct sir how did i miss that I need to turn in my calendar card. But you need to turn in your Mexica card, is that? Damn. We're revoking your Mexica uh, identity. Shumopili. The bundling of years. 52 years since the Chicano Moratorium. That's wild. I, I would hope that they would make a big deal out of that. Because I know it last was it year. was it last year or the year before? Maybe it was for the fiftieth anniversary during the pandemic. I think there was um, a lot of stuff that was 
taking place ma- mainly online, I think, like commemorations yeah. and stuff. But yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Who knows? I haven't kept up with it because I know and, the committee's still around, right? The national yeah, absolutely. Committee. Yeah, they still have the march. Um, I don't think they did during the pandemic. Yeah, uh, but there might be. They might be having one. Have you heard of anything going on this year? I haven't, but I also haven't been uh, too active on uh, like Facebook and stuff. Oh, uh, okay. Been out in the field, man. But so this is the Shimopilia of the Chicano Moratorium. Yeah, that's wild. Four sets of thirteen, fifty-two year anniversary. That's we need very to cool. do. We need to uh, at some point in in a, in a different episode. We need to address the um, the whole um, five hundred years. Uh, like the commemoration that a lot of people did last year for um, 2021 being the 500 years since 1521 and and like I, yeah. one of the things that I was people that follow me on Twitter would might have noticed uh, or follow the Atlantis tales might have noticed that I was like we don't that's that 500 is not a meaningful number in, in our count right so I yeah. mean I get that people you know in contemporary society number you know it's nice round number it's five centuries but for our people it's meaningless in terms of our count so we need to figure out like you know what is the big anniversary right when is the big anniversary for us what should we be sort of planning towards um to 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 mark that that event for for our purposes as chicano mexicano peoples right yeah that's an excellent idea dr ariano yeah, 52 years. And um, I was actually, I went, I don't remember which anniversary it was for. I have the, like the commemorative pin that I bought there. Mm-hmm. But I was really young. This was like in the 90s during that whole resurgence of the, right, right. the Chicano movement. And it was actually really, really big. It was a big event. And I remember the march itself going to Roosevelt Park and we passed under this, uh, uh, this bridge and there were so many people and there were you know people blowing at the cocolis and you could hear you know the drums and danzantes and people chanting and just that energy and the number of people as we passed under that bridge all that sound echoing and that's the one thing like I got chills going under that bridge because it just felt so powerful to have all of our people together like that and then we get to the park itself and you know i'm like this uh you know chicano movement kid all rosy-eyed and gung-ho and then i start seeing like oh so those brown berets don't get along with those brown berets (laughs) and these guys hate danzantes and these guys and everybody kind of had their own little onda every you know they had informational booths and stuff and food and um once we got to the park, I just kind of walked around. I was trying to take it all in and just, you know, buy books and yeah. experience everything. But I remember that's the uh, that's the my first exposure to uh, uh, the Mexica movement mm-hmm. was at that park on on that day, and they were selling uh, Olintes Catlipoca's book, the Mexica Handbook, and I was gonna buy it. Because it, you know, why not, right? Mexica handbook. Oh, dope! This this is probably awesome. Right. And I started talking to them, and they're, you know, they're. I could tell they were kind of filling me out, and I told them I was a danzante. So this must have been like ninety 
94, 95, because I had just started dancing. Um, and they just, like their whole demeanor towards me changed. And they started talking down to me. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to buy this book. <laughs> <laughs> but the march itself, and I still had a good time that day. You know, like a, a handful of pendejos weren't going to ruin my, yeah. my time there. It was a, an awesome road trip out. It was uh, the local La Raza Unida party and the La Raza Youth Committee, which I was a member of. We went out together, rented a, a van or something. We all went out there. We s slept on the floor of this house in East LA, so with friends. And it was just cool, you know, like the whole experience was badass. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, that just always stuck out that these guys were like, Ugh, you're Don Sante. <laughs> You're not a real Mexica if you're a danzante. Yeah, but... Wasn't that part of their argument? That what's his name, Olin, used to make? Yeah, that, that you're not a real warrior, that you're focusing on the wrong things. And, yeah. You know, this and that. I, I didn't really pay any attention. I kind of just burp, shut off and was like, all right, well, I was going to buy this book, but <laughs> never mind. I did grab a few of their flyers because I was still curious. Like, well, what the hell are these guys all about then? If they're yeah. anti-dansante and they don't seem to get along with anybody else at this uh, march. But for our listeners who don't know uh, what the Chicano Moratorium was, I pulled up the uh, the wiki page. So hopefully this is all, it seems all accurate. Um, I'm only going to read the first paragraph. It says the Chicano Moratorium, formerly known as the National Chicano Moratorium Committee against the Vietnam War, was a movement of Chicano anti-war activists that built a broad-based coalition of Mexican-American groups to organize opposition to the Vietnam War. Sounds legit. Led by activists from local colleges and members of the Brown Berets, a group with roots in the high school student movement that staged walkouts in 1968, the coalition peaked with an August 29, 1970 march in East Los Angeles that drew 30,000 demonstrators. The march was described by scholar Lorena Oropesa as one of the largest assemblages of Mexican-Americans ever. It was the largest anti-war action taken by any single ethnic group in the USA. And so I, I pulled up this short film and uh, the blurb on the short film says, On August 29, 1970, a Chicano moratorium against the war in Vietnam was held in East L.A. Loyola Marymount film student Tom Myrdal shot this documentary, capturing the events that unfolded as law enforcement and protesters clashed in and around Laguna Park. That, yeah, because it wasn't called Roosevelt Park. It was Laguna Park. This film has not been seen in nearly 40 years. Wait, Tom, didn't they didn't they rename the park after uh, Ruben Salazar? Yeah, yeah, I was going to get to that. Okay. Um, but it just, I'm so used to seeing it called Roosevelt Park to see Laguna Park. I was like, Laguna Park? Oh yeah, it was called Laguna Park back then. Uh, this film has not been seen in nearly 40 years. Tom, who is still a working cameraman in Los Angeles, shout out Tom, is putting this historic film on the web as a tribute to the brave citizens of East LA who came together 40 years ago to voice their dissent against the Vietnam War. And of course, like you just mentioned, uh, there were four deaths mm -hmm. at the uh, at the moratorium. I guess 
the police pretext, right, or the excuse is they claim that somebody had robbed a liquor store nearby and then had run into the park mm-hmm. where 30,000 people were having like this peaceful demonstration. And if you watch footage of it, it was families, it was people dancing and having a good time and there were bands playing and folklorico and, you know, like all this cool stuff was going on. And so the cops allegedly looking for this guy who had robbed the liquor store uh, got really violent and went into the park and a massive riot broke out. And I think there's even a quote in here of how um, Arulista, Alurista, who we would mentioned before, says that uh, the police called it a people's riot. The people called it a police riot. Right. Um, the four people who were murdered were Gustav Montag, who was like what we would call today an ally, right? He was a, a white guy that was there uh, to support the Chicanos. Lynn Ward, a brown beret. Uh, Angel Diaz, another brown beret. And most notably, Ruben Salazar, an mm-hmm. award-winning journalist um, who was killed while sitting at... Uh, a the diner, silver, right? Yeah, the silver dollar. Yeah. Um, a diner or a bar, I can't remember. But they shot him in the head with one of these tear gas canisters. Yeah, there, there was this documentary that was produced some years ago, maybe five years, six years now at this point, um, that kind of goes over the evidence, goes over the eyewitness testimonies. And, you know, they kind of they want to strike a balance throughout the documentary but at the end like and if i'm not mistaken it was it was it was done either produced or done in collaboration with with you know chicanos um to you know give it a sense of it you know coming from the community and and taking a critical lens and a critical stance on on what occurred and, and what transpired and especially you know the death of uh you know ruben salazar and at the end, if I'm not mistaken, it's been years, but if I'm not mistaken, they conclude that they they kind of side with, with the official narrative by the police that, that the officer who shot into the Silver Dollar Saloon, I think it was a bar. Yeah, um, you're right. The Silver Dollar Saloon. Yeah. That the officer who shot in there didn't know who was in there, that he was just like shooting, shooting. He shot through the window. Indiscriminately. But if, right. Like, why would anyone do that? Right, even if he didn't know who was in there, that's still negligent of him yeah, to have whether done he that. was trying to murder Ruben Salazar. Or right, not. that's besides the point. He yeah. he killed someone, and you know the Chicano community for the longest time um, viewed it as an assassination because that's basically what it looked like. Right, this is yeah, a absolutely. very vocal journalist who was on the side of the Chicanos in in la and he was one of the prominent journalists who was given a voice to the people and then here he is reporting on the chicano moratorium that the police later instigated into a riot and then he gets killed so i mean what else is a community supposed to think and then all these years later they produce this documentary that at the end pretty much kind of uh you know sides with with, with the official narrative and 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 what are we supposed to do with that now right like was yeah. Ruben Salazar targeted or was he not? I mean, they kind of leave it a little bit ambiguous, but at the same time, they're saying without any other evidence to counter the official narrative that we basically have to go with the official 
you know, narrative of the police. I'm like, well, that's that's BS. That's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And regardless if whether they were he was intending to kill him or not, you know, and he didn't know who was in there. He shot a and and if you look at the size of these tear gas canisters, it's like a small missile that this guy just shot right into and, this building. And that coincidentally, were in. when he shot it, it struck Ruben Salazar in the head. Yeah. I mean, what a coincidence, right? I yeah, mean, so where on. were you aiming, bro? <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, so rest in peace, you know? Gustav Montag, Lynn Ward, Angel Diaz, Ruben Salazar. Um, this massive riot broke out. It says uh, over 150 people were arrested. Uh, four were killed, as we mentioned. And I remember for the longest time, as part of this, you know, brief resurgence of the Chicano movement in the in the 90s, there was this strong push to basically declare um, August 29th as Chicano um, Memorial Day. Basically, a day to commemorate and honor the memories of all the Chicano, Chicana, you know, Chicanex, however they want to affiliate nowadays, um, activists who were killed uh, during the Chicano movement. Because there were quite a few. Uh, you have Los Seis de Boulder, um, who were killed in car bombings. You have uh, Ricardo Falcón. Who was killed by a white supremacist and you have the killings of the people at the Chicano moratorium so there was this push to basically declare like August 29th should be for what it's worth a Chicano national holiday or day of, of commemoration and you know I was part of that I really thought that that would have been a good thing to just basically make August 29th Chicano uh, Chicano Memorial Day so yeah with the powers vested in me <clears throat> by uh, the kingdom of Aslantis, <laughs> I hereby declare August 29th an official holiday within Aslantis. You have been listening to a sample of a premium episode of Tales from Aslantis. For a mere $3 a month, you will get access to our premium content every two weeks, as well as to the ever-expanding library of premium episodes. So visit talesfromastlantis.com and click Go Premium. Thank you for listening. Timo Itase. Thank you for listening to Tales from Aslantis, a project of the Chimali Institute of Mesoamerican Arts. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. You can do this by visiting talesfromastlantis.com and clicking support the podcast. Your continued support will help keep the podcast ad-free and independent. Until next time, Timo Itase.